ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Broke Capitalist, where we keep the topics discussed here real and raw. So before we begin, uh, please remember to hit that like and subscribe button and leave your comments down below for any topics that uh, you want us to discuss. So anyway, um, this uh, th- today's topic will be about um, 2023 and uh, what to expect in the coming year, which is in a few in a few more hours. So uh, I'll kickstart the first question um, revolving around the World Economic Forum and the policies. So just for some information, the World Economic Forum is the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. So this forum engages the foremost political, um, business, cultural, and also other leaders of society to shape uh, global, regional, and also industry agendas. And if you look at the menu bar in the World Economic Forum websites, you can see some uh, interesting featured topics. So this should give you an idea on the areas of their focus so uh, in the areas of um, AI, climate change, cybersecurity, education and training, um, metaverse, workforce, and also employment. So I can expect uh, their policies to be shaped around this topic. So Johan, what do you think is the World Economic Forum's uh, direction for next year? Maybe just a couple of um, ideas uh, at the top of your mind, maybe three or four uh, policies uh, um, direction. Okay. Before this, uh, before I carry on, by the time this video goes live, or this podcast goes live, it's already 1st January 2023. And I hope that you guys actually have a plan for what's to come because 2023 is not going to be a fun year. It's going to be hell for most of you because I do know that a majority of the guys uh, on this channel, watching this channel, okay, you know, the fact that you're watching the road capitalist means that in some capacity, you have some form of wealth. When I talk about wealth, it can be $100,000, a million dollars, maybe even $10 million. You're just listening to this much of a young gentleman because you understand that all hope is not lost because as we know the, the Gen Z kiddos are about to drive society down to the ground and they all love to virtue signal and join NGOs and uh one day join the WEF one day join the UN one day join the whatever government that they're in and we all know that a lot of the things that Frederick L. Hayek which is in his book The Road to Serve Them Once Road is that the road to hell is often paved with good intentions and very soon, you'll get to see this unravel in real time, which is a very scary time ahead. So for you guys, it's 2023. I'm sure that you guys are prepared for what's to come. You know the shortages are coming. It's really here. Oil prices are going high. And the moment when oil prices go high, it means that the average Joe is going to get screwed. And so if you are like a rogue capitalist, you probably own barrels of crude oil somewhere stored with your mistress on the beachfront property. And so let's get on with the World Economic Forum. So if you guys are unaware, what is the World Economic Forum? You know what? I think you guys know what the World Economic Forum is. It's the, they're just a bunch of uh, non-elected people with immense amount of powers. And they always hold this meeting at Davos. Davos is a very secluded part in Switzerland, which you cannot fly in. By the way, you cannot fly into Davos. You have to take a train. And in order to qualify to take the train into Davos, you need to be authorized and approved. And let me tell you something. The moment you enter Davos, there are sniper overwatchers everywhere. So that means that if you just happen to waltz into Davos, that's probably the last time you'll ever be breathing. So one thing you do have to notice about WEF and their attendees that attend this event is that they like to discuss futuristic trends. Futuristic trends such as, if you guys read the book 1984 and the book Brave New World and maybe Fahrenheit 451, you more or less can tell what's going to come. In these books, these three books that I just laid out, they talk about a future where people don't really have that much individualistic thoughts anymore. It is more of a centralized, central planning way, which critical mass, 
which is the assimilation of everybody into the hive mind, where they just live a symbiotic life, a symbiotic relationship with the state or with whoever's in power. And one thing that the World Economic Forum said in 2020 by Klaus Schwab, which is he is the chairman and CEO of the World Economic Forum, he said that the world is going to be an angrier place. It's a weird thing for a guy with such stature and such power to mention such a thing. And so I've been watching the WEF for a very long time, ever since I turned, ever since I became an engineer. Because as you know, my background is in the defense industry. So I do know a lot of people who are involved with the World Economic Forum, with NATO, with UN and all that stuff. It's a very common thing. Once you're in that circle, you're going to see everything. And so I started to take notice of what WEF was mentioning. And he mentioned it was going to be an angrier world. And I noticed that a lot of things started in lockstep. We started to see the lockdowns here and there, everything. And then you see travel suddenly banned and nobody could fly again. And only recently in April this year, was it April? Then when things started to subside a bit, uh, all the restrictions were lifted off. And that begs the question, right? A lot of guys, a lot of you guys think that life is going to go back to what it was in 2020 and before. But let me tell you something. Life has never been the same since 2020. It will not go back to what it was in 2008. And it sure as hell will not go back to what it was in 2001 and 1971. Because these four events that took place, let's just say that they are all interlinked with each other. The name of the players may have changed, but the game still remains. That's why there's a big reason why my mentor always tell me that I have to know how to play the proverbial game. Because this game involves your life. And there are certain things that you can say and you cannot say, especially when you function in society. Let's say you want to reach the upper echelon of society. And if you don't play ball, guess what happens? You become just like my good friend Andrew, who just got arrested. Pretty sure you guys know <laughs> who's Andrew. I'm not going to say his last name. You guys probably know who's Andrew. Andrew and Tristan got arrested yesterday, which was... Shocking, to say the least. But the thing is that I really knew it was coming. In some capacity, it was to be expected, right? Because he offended someone who's within the central planning body. And that's one thing that you have to understand, is that if you want to play the game, if you want to still drive your Aston Martin, you still want to drive a Bugatti, and you have a lot of wealth, you have to understand that everyone has a role to play. And if you try to upset the balance of power, and try to make someone look bad in a circle. Because you have to understand, at the top, everyone are friends. Everyone knows that. They know that they cannot go into each other's circle and say, hey, you're being a, you know what, I need you to tone down and just stay in your lane. But of course, Andrew and Tristan, they want to stay in their lane, and so they decided to be funny, and that's what happened. I'm not trying to say that either side is wrong or all that. But let's, let's be honest. I ask you guys, the viewers, if you're a business owner, and you operate a semiconductor company, Correct. Let's say your business is primarily in Southeast Asia. And then some dickhead who is your employee decided to break away from a semiconductor company and become a competitor trying to steal your market share. And the best part is that you have connections in the political area in Southeast Asian countries and you know the hedge funds, you know the VCs, you know all the investment arms and the big banks. They can easily give you $100 million line of credit. And then your employee tries to be funny and steal your business. What are you going to do? You think you're going to sit around and say, hey, uh, you can you know, take some of my business. You know what you'll do? Everyone will do the same thing. Breaking lawsuit sent down from the heavens to destroy him, to smite him. Bzz, like God sending out lightning. It's the same thing. I know you guys always say, oh, it's competition is good. But trust me, once you reach a certain level of influence, certain level of power, if some bloke decide to go into your lane and try to steal your market share, obviously that's a natural response. Right? You're going to go up to him and say, hey, you better watch your lane. I'm going to send lightning down your, on your freaking building. 
you guys think it's some coincidence where businesses suddenly close, right? Suddenly NEA appears and uh, do a spot check. I'm telling you, it's all a game. If you do not want to know, if you do not want to play the game, then you need to settle for being average. And that's the whole thing about the World Economic Forum and all that. I do know a lot of guys like to say the World Economic Forum and they are bad people, all that. But let me tell you something. If you are a smart man, if you are a rogue capitalist, you understand that WTEF is the biggest investment knowledge center. You just need to sit there and listen what they're saying. And then you know where to allocate your resources to. Now, I'm not even kidding. Like A lot of you guys say, oh, I want to hold my guns out to buy gold. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, buy your guns, buy your gold. Okay, gold went up by 1% this year, right? Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's okay. It's okay. In 2022, it's fine. But a lot of people are saying that 2023 gold will see a lot of big things. And that's the whole thing. You guys are getting angry. And this is exactly what the WEF just said. They'd say the world is going to be an angrier place. It's crazy, right? The guy just said, the world's going to get angrier. And then you guys are like busy saying, oh, WEF are bad, WEF bad. They really socially condition all of you to funnel your hatred towards them. Because you guys refuse to understand that their whole role is to create policies. That means that they are not there to do the work. They're just there to set out guidelines. And whoever attends the meetings will receive the guidelines and then they'll go back to the country and implement these guidelines. So if you guys are busy like throwing your, your finger in WEF, you have to realize that they can set the policies. But it's up to you as a human whether you want to live with it or not. That's why we see a lot of protests, a lot of riots with the COVID stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. And the next big thing that you guys are unaware is that the G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia. We all know Bali is the place where majority of East Southeast Asians love to go there to shack up with bunch of expat white men. It's the perfect place for a short getaway. And I find it ironic that G20 is at a place where it's meant for holidays because the G20 are setting policies to make sure you can't travel. So they're having an event about limiting the way you can travel in a place where everyone travels to. So can you imagine that weird paradox that they're having? And so this event, G20, you know what they mentioned? Vaccine passports. You guys think it's a joke, right? Two years ago, three years ago, like 10 years ago, when Alex Jones, together with uh, Robert Griffin, they were talking about central bank digital currencies, about how the central banks are going to create certain form of digital currencies to ensure that you cannot spend on what things you are not allowed to spend on. Alex Jones have been telling you that there's going to be a vaccine passport that's tied to your national ID in your microchip in your right arm. And then you guys are busy calling conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theory. Two years ago, when COVID happened, the whole world went to lockdown. They introduced COVID vaccines. And then you guys are stuck at home uh, with your Peloton, with stock price dropped by I don't know how many percent. And then you guys are busy watching uh, YouTube and Netflix, attending Zoom meetings. Whereas the rest of the world, WEF, Gil Bates, I cannot say his name. That's why I call him Gil Bates. He's flying private jet to New Zealand to carbon tax the cows. And he doesn't even need a vaccine passport. Here's the best part. And so, what did they talk about during the G20 summit? They're going to implement a vaccine passport, the very thing that you guys have been calling a conspiracy theory. They're saying that if you don't take the... See that camera. You know what's this, right? If you don't take this, you can't fly. And you think it's a joke. Oh my gosh. And you guys are so worried about your BTO, so worried about your freaking $10,000 stock portfolio. What the hell are you guys thinking? In fact, if I were you, and I hear the passport... I will be scrambling my behind to find ways where to go to. Because you have to understand, the moment they limit you and you can't even travel, what's the point of being human? You're going to be assimilated in the freaking hive mind. You're going to sit at home and what? 
watch your watch your wife what uh watching Netflix they watch your kid watching TikTok all day watching the rogue capitalist and wondering why is my dad not like the rogue capitalist by the way you do have to f- subscribe to us on uh, TikTok it's called rogue capitalist I think I'll put it somewhere up above here so you guys have to follow rogue capitalist because a lot of Gen Z's are actually liking my TikTok videos and they are agreeing to what I have to say and they are in fact commenting on everything because it means that all hope is not lost because I do know that some of you Gen Z boys looking for hope and trust me hope is not dead yet the stronger the despair the stronger the hope and this vaccine passport thing man I'm telling you can you imagine they're telling you that you don't have enough carbon credits to take a freaking plane to which country okay some random shithole like uh Laos. They're telling you you can't travel to Laos to look at the cows. And then you're stuck at home and you're wondering what the heck is happening. And then you have to join an ESG company to gain common credits. Because as we all know, a lot of banks, a lot of organizations are employing sustainability officers. And so this vaccine passporting, guys, this is no joke. You think you think that the vaccine passport is just some mumbo jumbo thing or that. I'm telling you, man, the reason why they are pushing all the kiddos to go and be software engineers, to go into tech, to go and work in Facebook, Meta, Google, TikTok, all the surveillance companies, you know why they are building all this? They are telling you to study tech, to study all this stuff. You all know why? So that all the things, all the tools that are being created can be interlocked to become the vaccine passports. You have to put two and two together or one and one together and realize that all of you kids are going to build the vaccine passports for the hidden rulers of society. But of course, that means that there's investment opportunity somewhere. And if you guys have been listening to this episode so far, listening to me telling you about the vaccine passport, how is it about to come? There's so many nuggets I just gave out. I'm not saying that I'm against the vaccine passports. Let me tell you something. If me and Arnold, we become part of the political elite or we become part of the monetary elite, the ultimate thing we want is control. This is why Genghis Khan rode on horseback to dominate everyone and build rice paddies. It's about control. To be a man, it's about control. It's about power. It's about respect. It's about authority. And so if you guys are angry about the vaccine password and how they're going to control you staying at home, you don't understand. The moment you have power in your hands, it's a very heavy responsibility because the entire society is on your back. You can't just go around and play nice guy because the next moment you are a nice guy, freaking... China will be at doorstep ready and they're ready to do unseen acts against you. Let's just put it that way. So you can't afford to be a nice guy already. I'm trying to say, if one day you join the World Economic Forum or you join UN or join NATO or join whichever organization, you do want to understand is that power comes with responsibility. And most of you guys are not ready for it. Heck, even if I give you a million dollars in your brokerage account, you'll lose it in a week because you have never known how it's like to manage a million dollars. Heck, even a $10,000 you put into crypto, $1,000 you put into crypto, $100 you put into crypto, it's gone. It's dissipated into the air. So really, man, the vaccine passport is going to be the biggest issue. So you guys have to watch out for that. I'm not even kidding. This one really, you have to do your research. The moment it goes live, say goodbye to your random weekend trip to JB because you don't have enough carbon credits to fly there. And the next trend that is going to be big is central bank digital currency. Like I know all this Fabians in our midst along with the goody two shoes working in uh, crypto companies not blockchain companies uh, crypto companies those who are working in exchanges and all that stuff XRP Straits X 
SpaceX, the one behind the Singapore CBDC. And then we have uh, Citibank, which is building the, the US version of the CBDC together with uh, Wells Fargo. And then we have the ECB also being CBDC. You have to understand that the events that took place from 2019 all the way to 2021, and with crypto's implosion in 2022, it is all a plan for you guys to be desensitized to real cash. Because wealth is not measured in your freaking Dogecoin portfolio or the amount of meme coins you have on the Avalanche network on Optimism or Arbitrum or freaking Jello. Wealth is measured by the number of guys selling rojak, chicken rice, and kayatos on the streets. Because if everyone is selling kayatos, everyone is laboring hard, that means that the price of goods will go down because the amount of services went up. And that means that the amount of supply goes up. There are more people in the factory churning out flour. There's more people in the factory churning out kaya. There's more people on the freaking mine field trying to mine out the minerals and all that. And there are more guys actually working hard. But now we look today, we have central planning. We have very few people actually doing real jobs. Like don't tell me you're sitting in Bali working a remote job, writing stupid emails. You call that a job, you know, that's only possible because of the number of fake money we have in the system. That's reality. I do know I sound like Peter Schiff now, but Peter Schiff has always said that what's the point of having so much money if there's nothing cheap to buy or nothing that's valuable to buy? Because back then, you know the reason why things cost 10 cents, why fishbowl noodles were so cheap. Because the money, the monetary supply was low. Because everybody was working real jobs and sharing their small goods and services around. But now you see how many people are actually working in a freaking hawker center, want to be a hawker. How many people are actually working real retail jobs? In Singapore, we have to outsource everything to foreigners. Our beauticians are Malaysians. Our best engineers, by the way, we always talk about tech push, right? How about how Singaporeans should be software engineers? We're freaking hiring Indonesians, Filipino, and Vietnamese. Like, what the heck are the Singaporeans doing? And then I go to the civil service website, I refresh it, and I see like 10 new job posts the next day. Like this is this is a troubling sign. I'm not saying that Singaporean government is bad. It's that in the in the past few episodes I did mention that the Singaporean government is strapped. They're freaking their handcuffs on because this state that we have now in Singapore is reaching an end game, which is that a lot of the people are too comfortable in their lives. They're not willing to work hard jobs. They're not willing to take up thousand, two thousand dollar jobs to keep the economy doing. So that means that if people are not willing to fill the role of working a shit job, they have to fill up roles paying a high paying job and that's nothing. And that increases the demand supply while the supply goes down. You get it? It's basic demand supply. And funny how all these guys who are having PhD in economics in don't know which agency are busy telling you about Keynesian stuff at MMT and all that. Telling you that more money good, yeah, more money good. ESG good, yeah. ESG good equals lower supply, my friend. Increased demand because you have more money to spend. So that's one thing you understand. And the moment CBDC goes live, you cannot control it anymore. There's no more cash. Well, there will be cash if you have money. You can move to somewhere like Thailand, Philippines, and live on an island. So the moment CBDC goes live, that means that it'll be insane monetary non-stop. They'll keep issuing more CBDC. Prices of things are going to keep going up over and over again. The only thing that is stopping CBDCs, you know what, Arnold? You know what is stopping CBDC? What? Cash. Cash <laughs> is know. the reason that's stopping CBDC. Because there's too much... No, adoption, man. No, it's cash. Because all the rich men, all the wealthy men that I know, all the golf courses that I play golf with, they're still using cash. You think they have credit card? Even their Amex black card is only used overseas because they don't want to swap cash. They're still holding on to Singapore dollars. So, right, the moment cash goes out of the picture, because they're telling you, right, cash is dirty, you shouldn't hold cash. Freaking hell, cash is the best thing ever. You can cheat on your wife, 
without your wife even knowing. You can just freaking go to some spa, just pay with cash. Who's going to check you? You can go and have a steak dinner, pay cash, and your wife won't know. I know this is going beyond the realms of uh, what normies will know because in the dark side, which is in the realm where you have $10 million and above, I don't even call it cheating anymore. I think you know it as well. It's, it's just man's nature. What's the point of us earning more money? It's to have access to more women, right? So that's why I'm telling you, the moment CBDC goes, a lot of the pleasures that you will have in a first world society will not be given anymore. So a lot of you guys who are wondering how you're going to navigate the new normal, how you're going to navigate all this, you have to understand that I do layout strategies in my book, Broke Capitalist, which I'll put it at the top. In that book, I highlight ways in which you can safeguard liberties and build wealth. Because very soon, when the CBDC goes live, when the world is angry as hell, and when energy prices are at all-time high, with vaccine passports limiting the crazy people, okay, you know what? Okay, let me tell you what's happening in the vaccine passports. The moment the vaccine passports goes live, with CBDC and an angry world, you know what it means? You can't escape the hellhole that you're in. You're going to be stuck in hell with these people together, drinking soy latte and eating cockroach burgers. Your amount of wealth is going to be converted into CBDC. And that means that you cannot spend on freaking grass-fed steak, buy gold coins, or go to the spa to have a massage. You get what I mean? That means you'll be stuck with the guys who are depressed, working their freaking shitty job in a corporate setting. But I do know there are some good corporate jobs, right? I know there are some good corporate jobs. Not every job is bad. Of course, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. not every job is bad. So what I'm trying to say is that the moment vaccine passport comes out, it limits your way how you can travel. If CBDC comes out, it limits the way what you can spend, what you cannot spend. And with an angrier world, it means that the metaphysical, the energy levels of everybody in the country will be at the rock bottom. And all these policies are being set by one entity, which is the World Economic Forum. And they are passing it down to the governments across the world to implement it. And here's the best part. They are not bad guys. They are not good guys. Because there's no such thing as a good and a bad guy on this planet anymore. The only thing you can do is trust yourself and question yourself. Do you want to play the game or do you want to not play the game? If you want to play the game, then you need to go be an ESG climate warrior. You don't want to play the game, you need to stack cash and have a strategy out of it. Because there's no point fighting, there's no point being against the government, there's no point being against WEF. I'm telling you guys, you have no time to fight anybody anymore. Because you have to understand, once you reach the top, everyone's a friends. Heck, next time you play golf, you meet some WEF guy, you meet Klaus Schwab and hey brother, what's up man? There's life at the top. So you do have to find a way to get there. Okay. Uh, very, very insightful sharing. So moving on to the next question. So in the previous series, uh, you've spoken a lot about ESG, climate change, and also today uh, and the upcoming uh, energy crisis. So at the macro level, um, the real problem is probably the next winter, not this one. So the structural problems will stabilize um, in the near term. So next winter is where the energy supplies run low. So economy will be weak in the first half of 2023 and trying to recover through 24. At least what was discussed in your earlier series was a more of a longer term view. So do you foresee any catalyst in terms of general markets and also policies steering towards um, climate and also energy in 2023? Okay, if you guys have to really watch the previous episode or the previous, 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 three episodes ago, the one I talked about higher energy prices. Okay, High energy prices is coming. And you have to understand that Exxon and his CEO, they are not dumb, dumb groups. So what Exxon is doing is that they are not building any more pipelines or all that. They are stacking cash to invest in proper infrastructure now. And I have a friend who owns the biggest oil and gas company. You know him too. Next year is going to be a big year for him because the demand for new oil projects is coming. And here's the problem. Here's the caveat. Our oil prices are still going to keep going up. You all know why? Because it takes time for the oil projects to go live. 
that means that all these pipelines, all these actuators and all that stuff being built, it's going to take a very, 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 very long time. I'm talking about three, four, five, six, seven, seven years time. So by the time it gets built, because there's mal-investment, very, very little investment in the oil and gas sector, natural resource sector, the mining sector, all this money is being funded towards destructive ways of limiting the economy, such as the ESG, the climate warrior agenda and all that. Here's the funny thing. Okay, so the Andrew arrestment, right? Because he went to call out uh, Greta Thunberg regarding the what, how many months Bugatti emission and all that stuff. All power to that. I respect the Bugatti and all that. But here's the caveat of the issue is that this channel might be at jeopardy because I'm talking about ESG. But here's the part. We are not against ESG. We are not against carbon credits. We are not against all this energy crisis stuff. This channel is mainly just two dudes who happen to live in a very nice uh, part of Singapore, which is Singapore is also in a very nice part of the world. We just happen to share what our thoughts are regarding this issue. Because I do know that you guys in the West are going to feel it real soon. For us, we are perfectly fine. In Singapore, we won't feel that much problems here because of the way the country is structured. But with that, it also comes with its problems because Singapore does have a big problem, which is the our youths are not reproducing and my generation are not reproducing. So that means that Sometimes when I think about it, right, when it goes in tandem with the energy prices going high up, that means that one day the energy prices will stabilize because the demand will not longer be there while the supply will most likely be kept here and maybe going out a little bit more. So that means that a lot of things that are happening, right, it feels like a coincidence with the number of people being around to use the energy. And so that begs the question, right? Does this all seem very orchestrated with the great reset and all that? Because the great reset means that it's going to be an angrier world. And an angrier, wins, uh, an angrier world means high, higher energy prices. For a guy that runs a food business, I'll tell you, high energy, energy prices is not a good thing. That means that the delivery fee that my supplier sends the food over is getting higher. The stuff that I'm buying, the chicken, the beef, the pork, the seafood that I'm buying also goes up because energy is required for the livestock. You get what I mean? On the farm, in the, in the jungle, in the freaking, in the wilderness. So that means the cost of everything is going up because everything relies on energy. The moment there's an energy shortage or the energy malinvestment, not enough capital allocated towards energy, it only leads to one thing, hell on earth. And it takes a long time for it to stabilize, probably five to seven years from now, which is just nice a great reset. So that means that we're going to expect super, super high energy prices all the way to 2025 until it stabilizes, where we actually get to see more projects being... Uh, going live and things are actually more smooth. And another big thing, which is a macro view, is that people are looking at geothermal, which is like new renewable energy instead of looking at oil. And the biggest play is always uranium, which is thought about by a lot of people, the nuclear energy thing. Ever since the Fukushima disaster and all that, people started to shy away from energy. But you have to understand how the world works, right? It's no longer about reality anymore. It's about speculation. That means that a lot of people are going to be speculating in the energy space. They're going to be speculating on uranium. They're going to be speculating on renewables. And there's another camp which is going to be speculating on ESG, which is the carbon credits future that's coming soon. And the ESG thing has not been particularly very friendly or something which a lot of people are willing to adopt. Because you, you realize that this world, it may seem as though a lot of good intentions don't really end well. And Fiction, right? The fiction world of uh, smart cities, <laughs> the smart grid, everything connected, the surveillance cameras, all that. I know a lot of Gen Z, a lot of youngsters think it's a good thing about more inclusivity, how we can live in 
perpetual utopia. But if you guys write 1984 and uh, Brave New World, it's going to be hell on earth real soon. And you guys know it. Chicken rice is going to cost $10 real soon. Because very soon, we will not be eating real chicken and all that stuff. Because it seems like it's a very big trend, right? Like ESG and climate change with the energy shortages. It only leads to one thing. From a perspective from a food insider, let me tell you something. This is a very big problem. Or it might not be a big problem. It might be a very good investment opportunities. Because there's a guy named Jim Rogers, which is an investor that I always follow. He lives in Singapore, by the way. He's the author of Hot Commodities, Adventure Capitalist, and Motorbike Capitalist. Is it something like that? So he's the guy that went around the world on his motorbike once, and he went around the world on his car once. He might not seem like a very uh, young man anymore, but his mind is still sharp. His experience is the art of NLP. NLP means that he can say things without actually meaning anything. So he's just a smoke and mirrors guy. So when a guy is a smoke and mirror guy, you do have to read between the lines of what he's saying. And he has an investment arm known as quantum funds that he set up with George Soros. George Soros is the legendary speculator which toppled a few currencies in the past. And he's the founder of a lot of an NGO and a activist movements known as the BLM and Antifa. And since his affiliation is with uh, George Soros, you know what he's investing right now? Let me tell you. Synthetic meats. And Singapore is the country where synthetic meats is going to have a lot of headquarters. It's a scary thing, right? And since I'm in the food industry, I'm telling you, a lot of people are now selling synthetic meats. They're selling all the impossible burger, all the good stuff. So that is one trend that you have to notice is that very soon, all these food shortages, right? It works together with energy crisis. So when the energy uh, is not there to produce the food, there needs to be alternative sources, renewable sources that is going to be used. So that means that instead of using energy to produce food, they're going to be using electricity, all that, the Tesla, whatever nonsense. They're going to be using their labs powered by electricity because of solar panels and all that funny stuff. You notice, right, they're giving people money to implement solar panels, which is something you have to take note of. Huh? It may not sound feasible, but that's where the money is going to be soon. So they're building all this ESG synthetic meat future. So soy lattes, cockroach burgers, and centipede noodles are going to become a reality. That is a fact. You want to avoid it, you need a strategy. So go and buy my goddamn book. And so, <laughs> when when this thing goes live, synthetic meats go live, you're going to eat centipede noodles. Trust me, Rogue Capitalist tells you in 2023, better listen to him. When it goes live, it's coming already. All the food events I attended are all synthetic meats. Everyone is no longer talking about how good the food tastes. They're talking about how they're going to make money by investing into freaking plastic burgers and recyclable uh, burger patties and all that stuff. So I'm telling you, watch out for that. 3D printed chicken fillets are coming. Trust me, it's coming. You think the shortages is just meant to be there? It is meant as a gateway to introduce ways to consume food that does not rely on energy to produce. Understand this trend and you know how to play it. Okay, awesome. So um, maybe uh, I'll just move on to the last question because we only got about less than 10 minutes. Actually, we can so, do uh, both. Uh, we can do both. You yeah, do let's both? keep it short and sweet. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, can can. Uh, so um, twenty twenty three um looks like it will be BRICS most impactful year. So within uh, the economic and geopolitical landscape, so BRICS consists of five major um, emerging economies: um, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So they have made a lot of progress in terms of joint policy coordination with other economies, um, showing clear signs of interest. So um. 
This uh, BRIC companies will leverage its status as a BRIC member to advance their own development and also their economic progress. So and as well, they are also looking to um, have their own BRICS reserve currency. So this currency will serve um, BRICS uh, nation economic interests and also um, it will be based on a basket of their respective um, domestic currencies. So how do you think uh, this trend will play out and also um, with the surge in the interest of many, com- uh, many countries to join this block? There could be also a shift in both uh, economic and um, governance power, right? Okay, I'll keep it short and say there will be parallel yeah. systems because we know that the SWIFT system is a system designed to weaponize the US dollar. So you see Russia, right? They, they are, their US accounts got freezed. You see China. Freaking TikTok is under attack. They're telling you not to use TikTok. Whereas they got Meta, Instagram, Facebook, all that, which is equally the same thing. And so that means that a gold back currency is coming soon and gold and silver will boom. Because as you notice, right, BRICS, right, these countries right, are strong in one thing. Natural resources, they have a lot of minerals. That means that a lot of these countries will see a very big rise in economic developments. Because the US dollar is just the US dollar. It's not backed by anything. That means it's just imaginary funny money. When the world moves towards a more natural resources base, it means that you will not see that much rampant inflation anymore. Unless the mining capacity goes up. That means mining capacity go up natural resources go up, higher improvement in productivity and goods and services because more hands on deck are being allocated to the right sectors, which is a lot of things that you guys have to realize. And that's why when some guys tell you that you should just give up your corporate career and go become a mining guy or go learn how to do, uh, be in the natural resources industry, they're not wrong because very soon we are going to live in a world in reality. And if you're not in reality, you're going to be living in the fiction world. So my advice for you guys is that check out BRICS and if you want to have a proper career, let's say you, you're not an entrepreneur because it's very hard to break into the mining industry. It's very hard to break into the natural resources industry. You want to play this trend, I suggest starting a career there and most likely make friends with the, with the investment arms so you can start up your own company in that sector. That's one thing I can tell you because if you guys are in your 20s, like early 20s, mid 20s, most of your friends are brainwashed to be techies. They're going to be useless software engineers sitting there drinking soy lattes. You are smart, man. You'll be going to the resources sector, in the mining sector, in the gold mining sector, and most likely the biggest one, the gold back cryptocurrency. I think that is coming. I think that system will be the thing that saves us from, should not save us. It creates a better quality of life for everyone. I will not go into much detail in the gold go back cryptocurrency, else uh, a certain uh, regular, regular, regulatory body will come after me. Do your research about the gold back one. And yeah, I think that's about it I can cover. I want to go in detail, but we are running out of time. So let's go with the next question. Okay, yeah. So the the last question is, um, pretty sure we will continue to see more rate hikes in 23. So as central banks want to yeah. slow the economy to actually um, reduce inflation. So I think it'll be a terrible year for bond investors to also see a, a small window of opportunity there. So, because once the economy weakens and all of a sudden you get fed, um, turning from a seller of treasuries into a buyer of treasuries. So, before we even get to the point of uh, Fed pivoting, so how will an average Joe going to weather the storm uh, with all these insane monetary policies? Okay, first one is stack cash. It doesn't matter if you're making $20,000 a year, $10,000 a year, $5,000 a year. Just stack your cash because one day it's going to come in handy. And most importantly, don't buy anything you don't need. Don't buy a car, don't buy houses because interest rate is going high. Unless you can pay outright cash. Because I believe that there will come an opportunity. I have friends who are real estate agents. They are telling me information that I shouldn't share with you guys. If you guys want more property information, 
can contact me uh, on my email, roadcapitalistsg at gmail.com. <laughs> I do know guys in the property space who are at pretty high level. And so they are telling me what their game plan is. And so I'm telling you, don't get sucked in. Don't buy anything on interest. If you can pay it full outright, do it. Because I'm telling you, there will come a time where things are going to be incredibly cheap. And most of you guys in your 20s, early 30s, you might not have the cash. But all you got to do is just be aware of the trends. So let's say you catch a lightning in the bottle. Let's say you, you catch the next bull run. You see 100x, 1000x in your stock portfolio. Your business may should have a profit turnover of a million dollars every year. Then maybe then I'll think about real estate. But let's say your your net worth is less than 10,000. I'm being very nice. Less than 10,000. Don't even think about buying anything big. Don't think about buying a car. Don't think about buying a house. Show as hell. Don't sign any housing agreement, rental agreement with your girlfriend. Because she's no longer your girlfriend when she stays in the same house as you. She'll become a legal roommate. And so I'm just telling you, you guys have to space out your life. Don't spend on anything that you don't need. Vacations, okay. Okay, it's fine. Vacation is okay. Not too big. Not, not saying you're going to spend uh, 50000 on your vacation. Uh, 50000 is a bit too much for most guys. Anyways, that, that's beside the point. <laughs> Just don't buy anything ridiculous. Don't buy a car. Don't buy any houses yet. Unless you've got a lot of money. Million dollars or above. I will I would suggest if you have a lot of expendable cash, don't, uh, then you go and buy property. Okay, this is bad advice, right? I'm not supposed to give advice. Okay, sis, okay let me just tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> what I'm doing is that I'm buying Pokemon cards. They're going to go on fire sale real soon. And we all know Pokemon cards go up in very high value because the demand is low, supply is low. The moment supply is low, demand goes up. I can easily sell it for 10x the price that I bought it. So I'm buying Pokemon cards. I'm buying a lot of gold. I have, yeah, I buy a lot of gold. That's all I can say. And I am investing in energy as usual, energy. I'm not buying crypto yet. And most importantly, listen to the Rogue Capitalist. Buy my book, very important. You read my book, you more or less understand how to play the game. Because the game is actually very simple. All you got to do is understand the trends and how you're going to play it. And ultimately, number one, read history. Spend all your time reading history. Spend all your time reading what happens when rate hikes reduce, the, when the hikes reduce gradually. What happens? You have to understand. Just look at trends. I'm not going to tell you what happens. And when I tell you to buy gold and invest in silver, buy Pokemon cards, don't listen to me. Do your own research. Very important. I'm telling you nonsense. You might not believe it, whatever, but I'm just saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm not buying property, yeah, because yeah, let's just say I, I know people in property they are telling me not to buy, so I'm not buying. And funny, right? They tell me not to buy and they're telling everyone to buy. So I'm just, so I'm just <laughs> leave it out there. You guys listen, just listen to what I have to say. Don't question it. And when it's time to buy, I'll let you guys know. Yeah, that's about it for today's episode. Don't forget to buy my goddamn book, okay? Hey, and don't forget to like and subscribe. And yes, also leave your comments down below if you have uh, anything that uh, you'd like to hear from us. All right, that's all for today's episode. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you See everybody. you guys next week.